know, we're gonna have to work hard. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to train hard. But you know, this this group has got a has got a gnarly work ethic. You know, so that's not gonna be the problem. Just be tough. You know, I think I think that that's a way that skiers, American skiers, have found success in the past, and I don't think that that's likely to change. Ready? I was born ready. That's the great thing about sport. I am starving. Well, competition. You know, I'm not superstitious, but I'm, I am a little stitious. Get some facts and come back and see. You play to win. It's a really fun race, and he realized he didn't have it, he gave up. First of all, and I don't care if you don't have any wins. You go play to win. I, I just, I had no respect for that. I thought that was so lame. Phil was in good shape, so I think it'll be an interesting weekend. Success and failure. You know, you, you got to be tough and, and hang tough. And I think the Americans do that very well. You know. And again, their the range minus two, minus twenty on here. It's kind of like this Rex Blue. Yeah. It's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. Minus two, minus fifteen. That doesn't make sense. I have to kind of wonder whether that's whether either of these have a different range because of the liquid or if they're actually different wax. Anything possible? Maybe for covering clister or something like that, the yeah. fluid dispersion gives you more control, does less mechanical work. Maybe we can make something happen. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. Down, you know, you can train as much as you want, you can be in as shape as you want. I'm hungry. When a push comes to shove, you know, you just got to be able to access that next level. You got to be able to push yourself just a little bit harder. At the very end of sprint, at the very end of uh, 10K, whatever it is. I like saying no. Have the grit, have the, have the desire. And the... Okay, well, don't be such a baby. I cooked you some bacon for a trail snack. I ate it already. What? I could smell it in your purse before I even parked my car. And now it's gone, and I hate everything. That's what I see in this generation of skiers. I see a bunch of guys who want it bad. They want it real bad. Would you like to sample our vegan bacon? And they're willing to work. Are we done? And they're willing to put themselves out there. That's why I intend to answer every one of their questions with a question. But thankfully, Ben Ogden, our guest today on the Cedar Skier Podcast, did not do that. He gave us some awesome answers. He gave us some awesome insight. He's the American skier you are going to be cheering for. NCAA champ 2020. Gutsy, bold, hardworking, mentally tough. That is how you would describe Ben, a skier with flashy agility, a motivated mindset. His heart, his racing style, they truly exemplify the Ski Like an American mantra. And him and his band of brothers, they're fearless. They're back-to-back world junior gold medalists. They say it like it is. And that includes admitting they'll need to work their tails off. They'll need to be mentally tough. They're going to need to dream big. They're going to need to race to win if they're going to be that first male crop of U.S. skiers to properly announce themselves on the top stage. They know it won't be easy. He knows it won't be easy. And even so, as you can tell from those clips from the interview, he's not afraid of anyone. He's ready to challenge everyone, even Johannes Klabo. And it's Klabo. Yeah, no, in Norway, they say Klabo. So in America, everyone says Klabo. 
Um, but I asked some Norwegians, how do you pronounce his last name? It is Klabo. So anyway, Ben is our feature guest on today's edition of the Cedar Skier Podcast. We're going to get to that interview right away. He was really gracious with his time. He gave us a lot of time, so we asked him some really cool questions. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Cedar Skier Podcast. Okay, everyone, shut up! Yeah, so quarantine. I mean, what's a typical day like? In the in, in, for life right now for you, and you can go back to like you know March and April when you were doing school, and now obviously that's kind of done. But what did that kind of look like for you? I guess back when I first came to Vermont after NCAA's, when school was still going on, my uh, <clears throat> my typical sort of flow was you know staying home, which here in Vermont is no problem. Keeping away from people is fine because you know I live in a town in southern Vermont with a hundred and 150 residents, so, you know, yeah. pretty well. It's not hard to, uh, to keep to yourself, so that was no problem. But, uh, yeah, at first, sort of, my emphasis was definitely school. I had a ton of catch-up to do. Stop all my missed class this winter. Okay. In terms of, you know, like, catching up on learning and stuff like that. On top of making the transition to online school, which was not easy. But, um, yeah, I sort of... During the first couple of weeks, I used training as a tool to enhance my uh, sort of school experience. And what I mean by that is, you know, for me, I really can't focus very well if I haven't worked out to some extent. Sure, um, sure. So I would sort of wake up early and go for a run, do strength or whatever, ski when we had snow. And then just sort of dive into school for the majority of the day. Um, but the, and then sort of as, uh, as the school became more manageable, I like caught up and sort of figured everything out. I started doing a bit more sort of structured training, which was definitely nice. Um, well, you're talking about training too back then. Like, were you, uh, you know, you come back from NCAAs and. Was it, like you said, like, I'm just going to ski is kind of like to balance out my academics and help me think better, which by the way, that's, yeah, that that's, that's working out once you get post-collegiate too, right? For me as a band director, I'd like, I'd, I'd hash out a couple of, it's like, I'm just going to ski for fun. Maybe I'll push myself today. Maybe I won't. But like yeah. for you, were you kind of, were you doing it that way? Or even at that time, were you, were you sort of tempted to like, Hey, maybe I should, um, uh, you know, take my week off now, get an early start on the next training year? Or were you kind of the opposite? Like, hey, I'm going to try and test some things out. I'm in peak fitness, you know, like, or, or what was kind of guiding your workouts at that point? You know, were you your own compass or were you listening to like, you know, someone else kind of telling you what to do or your coach is still in contact with you? What, what was that kind of like to end yeah. the year since, yeah, it's a weird time to end. You, you know, you're like, yeah, you're at peak fitness. And you kind of just let everything go. Yeah, it's a great, a great question. Um, my thought at that point was, since I was looking at only a month more of school, since I was, you know, I was lucky that my school got out at the end of April. Yeah. So uh, my my thought was that I should structure my springtime such that I don't do too anything particularly serious during school, especially like during finals. Because sometimes I'd well, like if I overmented blades when I thought about doing just like a week off then and then just getting right into it. That sort of had me getting going and hitting the ground on training, right? As finals and, and oh, okay. prep would strike. So I wasn't overly excited about that. Yeah. Well, I kind of thought to myself, and this is all me, you know, 
for the most part, my coaches were just sort of supportive of whatever made the most sense. And, yeah, and okay. I, I talked it through with, with them, but in general, they weren't particularly opinionated. They just said, get, get it done and, and do the best you can. And and when late spring and summer comes, then we'll just, uh, we'll just get back into it. But so my thought, you know, I had a couple things I wanted to do uh, training-wise. I really wanted to, to uh, get some, lots of running done. And just be in nice, good running shape. Because a lot of times when I come into uh, summer training, I like to run a lot and enhance the roller skiing and everything with, with that. But mm-hmm. sometimes I'll just overdo it and, and hurt, you know, kind of get my knees sore or whatnot. So yeah. I thought to myself, this is a great time to just run and get, get my feet under me. So I did a lot of running. And then I did a couple, you know, I, I did a lot of like adventure workouts too, you know, because I, I try not to, I know for myself, you know, at the end of every training year slash ski season, I'm not the type of athlete who loves to just take a take a week purely off or whatever. Yeah. I'm more interested in taking a period of time, maybe like two to three weeks of just like adventure mode. And, you know, I'm still getting out there every day and doing stuff, but less like, you know. Structure. Yeah, I've got to do strength and intervals, whereas, more, whereas I'm more just getting out into the, the beautiful part of the world that we live in and, and uh, exploring, so. Right, right. Uh, and the running thing kind of went hand in hand. I did a couple of, like, a handful of 20-plus mile runs out, out here in southern Vermont and a couple of big, big, long bike rides, which was totally great, you know? Great quarantine activity. I could kill an entire day with just a big, big, long bike ride or run or whatever it might be, so. So that was kind of my my thought and then like I said I got through finals week and then I said okay now you know I'll start I'll just dive in with with uh you know strength three times a week and in some intervals here and there and some good distance I'll get my roller out and sort of get into that which mentally is great for me because at that point you know I'm stoked to roller ski whereas if I busted them off in in April or whatever I would have been like, oh man, this is going to be a long summer. That's a little bit how I feel too, actually. I like where I live in Colorado now, uh, Leadville, like we can, it's like Alaska, you know, like you could go and ski. In fact, I skied every day of the year until May 12th. And then I took a few, like, you know, I just was like, I got to end my streak here because it's getting a little compulsive and it's just ridiculous, you know, kind of a thing. And But like my thought too was like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't want to get on roller skis in April. And, and so, yeah, I kind of thinking to where you're at, I think you took a really wise approach, you know, like, hey, hey I'm still, I, I'm the type of guy who needs the activity, but that unstructured activity where I'm kind of. You're, you're killing two birds with one stone, really, because like you said, you're kind of getting into running shapes. You don't get a stress fracture when you need to do intervals. And, you know, you're, you're allowing yourself to be focused for school and also getting to do some different types of training, mountain biking and all that. You're a pretty good mountain biker, too, right? Do you, do you mostly downhill or do you like go gravel grinding and find crazy hills, too? Like, what's your passion for mountain biking? Talk about that just a little bit. Because I always see posts on Instagram for okay, you where yeah. it's like, it's some crazy gnarly trail. I'm like, does this guy take a chairlift up and like just do crazy stuff like that? Or or do you find as much joy in the aerobic yeah. challenge too? Good question. Yeah, I, I actually am not really into the chairlift. Life. A lot of my friends are, but uh, I much prefer sort of the, uh, I don't know, the down country, maybe you could say, style of riding. So, you know, I ride a big, Big squishy bike, but I pedal it uphill. 
all the time. So uh, that's what I'm really into. But, yeah, we gravel grind a lot out here, too. There's tons of great uh, uh, dirt roads. So when, you know, mountain biking is wet, as it often is, then we'll go out, bust out on the gravel grinder. And, and that's a great way to, like I said, get out into into Vermont and check it all out. But, yeah, the mountain biking, I uh, I try to do it all, you know. I used to race a lot of enduro, which was uh, kind okay. of cross between cross country and downhill. Right, um, right. Super fun race format, super chill. Kind of a fun mix of, you know, it's, it is a race, so, you know, you're going your hardest, but it was totally low-key. And I also raced a lot of cross country in high school, but, you know, nowadays I don't do quite as much racing, especially not obviously now because there are no races. But, you know, I love having mountain almost the same as running. I love having mountain biking as a tool, training tool to get me to get me out there, getting some good long hours um, in a format that's not roller skiing or, or running, you know, because if, if I do too much of the same thing, yeah, then I get sick of it. So, you know, where, where a lot of people can just, you know, be super stoked to, to do the three out three four hour ODs while skiing every weekend. I personally like to uh pack in a gravel bike, yeah. road bike, mountain bike, whatever it might be. Just sort of keep things interesting. Plus I think it's I think I personally a lot of people don't agree with me on this, but I think it's super cool to sort of try to try to be a well rounded athlete and, and uh and keep my biking shape what good, keep my running shape good and try to, you know, keep my body moving in uh, in ways other than Nordic skiing, especially throughout the summer, you know? <laughs> No, I definitely agree. Actually, I come from a running strictly background. And so like my most of my life in college was spent, you know, running 11 and a half months of the year. I came now to Nordic skiing. I've got like this way over on the running end, but like seeing what the benefit was for that, which was essentially like I'm never out of breath on any race course compared to like other skiers. And so yeah. what, I, what I lack in like technical downhills, it's like, whoa, that I really got that from running, you know, like that aerobic side so again yeah i think you're smart by kind of diversifying and i know carl swenson i think in 1992 he was you know at that time like a world-class mountain biker and world-class nordic skier and i think there are people that kind of like go oh that's just so unsport specific it's uh it's not benefiting your nordic skiing for the amount of time you put into it it's like well i can understand the physiological reasoning behind it but there's also like you said an emotional like side of like i'm gonna train more if I do this, plus it allows me to be more effective when I am on skis. And, and also actually, I know this wasn't in our, in our questions, but I wanted to ask you on, on the mountain biking side. Um, cause I kind of do a little bit of that too. And I've sort of thought, what's the application to skiing in terms of like reading downhills kind of. So like single track enduro racing, like you're talking about, I mean, there are some really fearless riders out here in Colorado. And I'm sure where you're at in Vermont too, in those races. And it's insane what they do on their bikes going downhill, you know, just for the common athlete, they, they wouldn't really believe it. And I think on TV, the same thing happens in skiing where we watch on TV and like, Oh, you know, the downhill they're recovering. It's like, the audience doesn't realize that, like, at Holman Colon, 
those skiers are taking like super sharp icy turns at 45 miles an hour you know like that is not at all an easy thing to do you know and like do you feel like with your biking that even you know that's enabled you to be a really aggressive downhill skier where like you can ski like an american and you're you have agility or not at all have you never thought of that you know and and if not what other things do you kind of take from mountain biking that you feel like directly enhance your skiing yeah that's a great question i uh i actually do think that 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 aspect or, or that mindset is a big thing i carry over into skiing um i i definitely think of myself as being good on my skis and and good and down as i don't fall very often and uh you know it is it's technical absolutely like you're saying i mean corners are sharp if you if you race late in the game they're icy and if you go inside if you go in the middle and you know who knows what if you go on the outside of these corners and ski races so right you know picking your line and, and pick the line that you know you can get around the corner quick but also not fall is, is huge and in mountain biking you know it's no different uh in, in the enduro races it's crazy technical rocks and roots and slippery everything yep so you know it's all about your line and i think about this a lot when i when i ride you know lots of times when you ride it's just like there's a smooth way down a section you know and a bumpy way and an uncomfortable way but you know in the enduro races there's there's a route down these rock bases where you'll make it and there's a route where you'll fall so you know sometimes the stakes are pretty high so yeah i love i love practicing that and sort of the faster you go you can feel on a mountain bike if you're just sort of walking or just, you know, cruising down, down a hill, you'll make it because you just, you can, you have so much time. But if you really, like, crank and go as fast as you can, then it's, it's crazy. Your, your brain just gets going and going on the split-second decisions. Like, you see a rock and you got to go over to the left, right, whatever it's going to be. And it's super cool. And I love, I love practicing that on, on my bike. And I definitely think that, you know, in, in the heat of a ski race, you know, you can you can go through those corners as much as you want and train there in uh, in the warm up, but you never quite know what you're going to encounter after everybody goes over it. So, I think it's huge to uh, to train your your mind or your brain to make quick decisions and adapt. And you know, if you get into that corner and a ski race and it's icy where you wouldn't expect it, you got to know what your skis are going to do. You got you got to know where you can go to get away from that ice. So, I don't know. I think. I personally think that just getting those quick decision-making skills is huge, and I think it's I think it's it's an area where a lot of people can a lot of skiers and athletes in general can can stand or endurance athletes can stand to improve. You know. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I joke, I joke with like my brother that like distance runners are the most unathletic people ever, you know, like if you go, like compared to football, basketball, where you're like always being agile or, or you like a snowboarder or something. And yeah. Like, and I think you lay it out really nice. It's someone might argue, well, Ben's got it all wrong because you know, downhill mountain biking is reading lines is way different than reading snow. It's like, well, obviously, but what he's talking about is like, you're training your brain to analyze slopes and de- like it's it's the muscle that's the brain right that's what i'm hearing you say yeah oh absolutely um that's totally totally my take on it and yeah picking your line down a deep slippery rock face is nothing like what you're going to find in a ski race obviously but but yeah it's all about just, just making those, those quick decisions and sort of reacting to what uh what happens you know and for me in skiing i've been skiing for a really long time so it, it comes a bit easier to me but 
in mountain biking, you know, I, I crash every now and again, and, and you learn and figure out, and, and I don't know, I like I like practicing that sort of stuff. And also, with the, with the, on the biking side, one thing I like about the, the cross-country races I used to do was that, you know, I I wasn't, I, I was, you know, I wasn't ever super good. I, I was good on my bike and, and whatever, ride them, but I always had trouble pacing in cross-country races. Yeah. So, you know, I would just so often just send myself so far over. You know, they were long two-and-a-half-hour races or more. Right. And, I, you know, one too many times I would be, like, bonked in a half an hour, you know, because I'd try to ride with people who are faster than me. Sure. I don't know. I personally think that that that's also an important thing, you know, because understanding where your limit is, like, as an athlete, I think it's huge because, you know, I don't know. I've gone in plenty of ski races, too, but it's nothing like what happens in mountain bike races. You know, because I know skiing so well, and I've done it for so long, you know, I know... You know what you can do I, in that I, sport. I you're clear of that. Right. Um, but I don't know. I think, I, I think it's important, as well as silly as it sounds, I think it's... I personally think it's important to just, like, go out there and, and just destroy yourself every once in a while or to remind yourself just how far you can go, you know? Like... I've had many many a mountain bike race, you know, maybe a forty miler where I'll be just toasted after an hour, you know, and I got yeah. another hour and a half left to go and I gotta just make it, you know? And uh, you don't get that a lot in skiing because the races tend to be shorter. You know, I'm I'm getting older and, and I'll start doing more thirty and maybe even fifty Ks. So, you know, I I think that uh that understanding how to pace yourself as an athlete is huge and uh and in order to do so, you got to go over some every once in a while. And I, as, as much as I don't like it, I tend to do that a lot in, in the mountain bike races. So That's a super bad. insightful idea, I, honestly. Like, I, I wasn't even expecting to bring that out, but that is so true. And... Um, I can, I can definitely second what you say there. Um, coming again, like for me, I, I'm running, I would consider the, the thing I'm the most intimate with. Whereas for you, it's kind of skiing, you know, you know, your limits, you've done all sorts of different types of workouts in skiing, growing up at all ages. Yeah. That, that's kind of how I was with running too. And so like, I could tell like what, how my body would respond to different things. And then, yeah, it's like you get on the bike and <laughs> like, I, like you're saying, like it's, it's a different format, different type of races. Some of them, like I've done a few where it's like it's like eight hours or like, you know, climbing 10,000 feet, you know, on a mountain bike race here in Aspen. And it's like, yeah, when you, when you bring that new knowledge and the ability of like, I know now where that limit is and now you bring it to a different sport, that is super beneficial. I think that's a really good point actually that, you know, the multi-sport athlete again has kind of multiple, uh, arrows in their quiver, so to speak, you know, and, and yeah, and learning about your body physiologically too, and, and mental toughness and all those things, uh, just really enhanced. Um, because yeah, every sports brings different toughness elements too, you know, like the football player toughness where like you get banged around and you're actually physically, uh, under like pain is a different kind of pain than you feel when you're running a 5k and you're like lungs are bleeding, you know, but like having experienced both of those can sharpen your toughness in either one, you know? And so I think like what you can bring from that mountain biking, right? Yeah, definitely is like, Hey, I know I can handle this, even if I do go over, kind of thing. That's like, so I went like, yeah. uh, this is super fascinating. I, I I didn't even have this on our on our <laughs> list of things, but like, oh, this is really cool. So I'm loving your answers so far. So let's talk about uh uh like the, the your season this year. 
uh, this year you claimed an NCAA championship and, and it kind of seemed like last year and I was on a, I was a coach actually at Umpy. So I got to watch you at, uh, at all the carnivals and it was like, dude, this guy's dominating, right? Like he's blown away the competition pretty much every time he sets foot on the track, he wins. Um, and then you didn't, you didn't end quite as well as you'd want to. I don't think in terms of like what you had expected, maybe performance, if you're following your results, you mentioned you kind of got like sick towards the end of the year. And, and maybe that's kind of, pinpoint you could you pinpoint that it's like yeah that that really was the biggest issue or was there somewhat of a learning experience too where you know 2019 was this is what i did and now 2020 i knew this and i grew this way like talk about kind of what happened last year and how you brought it into this year and how you felt about your season yeah absolutely that's a great question um and maybe some some uh some future college freshmen will hear this but I would definitely say that, yeah, um, NCAA my freshman year in 2019 was definitely a little bit of a letdown, and I had that sickness going on and everything, but realistically, you know, it was my first year um, as a college athlete, and I had a lot going on. I was, I was neck deep in engineering classes and, uh, and all that for the, for the first time, so, you know, I, I think I did a pretty decent job balancing everything through the season, and this is, you know, carnival scene, the international racing that I did over in uh, Lockheed, Finland in January, and then, uh, you know, with NCAAs and everything and U.S. Nationals, there's definitely a lot, and, and I wasn't used to that coming from high school where, you know, my teachers were much more forgiving with missing school, and, um, you know, as a senior in high school, I had, I had done high school for a long time, so I knew sort of where... It's hard to explain, but like I knew where I could let I could, you know, let one aspect of my persona like go. I hard to explain, but like you know, I could I could easily, you know, maybe slack off in school for a little bit and focus on skiing, and then pick up and you know and, and make that balance. I knew how to do that. Sure. Playing the college, you know, I didn't I didn't quite know it well. I I was super happy with my freshman season. I I was super stoked with that, but I would say that in general, I I. By the end of the season, they sort of gotten the best of me, and I was just generally tired. Yep. You know, I'd yep. been a little bit too stressed to school, too, too too much going on here and there. But, yeah, and then the NCAA came around, and I had this crazy sickness, which was, honestly, I think just as much as, any, as anything, just a factor of, you know, being a little bit too strung out. Right. You know, everybody gets sick, but right. I, I, I didn't kick that sickness for, like, six weeks. It was totally crazy. Yeah. It was, just, it was just a standard cold, but it just lingered and lingered, and I just think it was because I had one too many things going on. So that was one too many things that were causing stress for me. So going into this season, you know, my, my biggest goal was just to keep finding that balance and uh, and to always, you know, one of the things I highlighted from 2019, my freshman year, was, you know, I was going on trips. I was leaving school already behind. Right. You know? And that was just, like, totally stressful because, so then the entire time I was worried about catching up and keeping going with what's going on every day and all that. So one of my biggest goals was just to have my school life be sound, you know, just put in the hours, you know, skip out on playing Xbox with my roommate and just get my school done, yep. all that sort of stuff. So that's one thing of this season that I'm really proud of. I, I actually do think I, I did a very, very good job. I took a lot of quizzes on the road. I did a lot of homework assignments on the road, and I was really up front with my teachers. You know, when I was a freshman, I was almost reluctant to go to my professors and 
say that and right. explain my situation because I was nervous that they would not be supportive of it. You know, it's yep. a hard thing to explain, but I definitely, you know, I would try to always tell them like the good news. You know, instead of being like, oh my goodness, you know, I would go to a professor and say, hey, okay, I'm gonna miss this Friday or this Thursday and this Friday, and then I'll be okay. But then the next week, I have to go up to them and say, again, I'm going to miss what <laughs> yeah. it was this year. Yeah. On the very first week of school, I just said to my professor, mm. and I said, hey, you know, I'm going to miss a ton of school, and I'm probably going to miss every Thursday and every Friday. Right. And, you know, and then here in January, I'm going to be gone for a week, and in March, I'm going to be gone for three weeks. And it was totally hard, because a lot of my professors looked at me like I was crazy. Right. You know, thinking I could miss that much school and, and get away with it, but... You know, they were all super supportive and, and really made it happen for me this year. And it made a huge difference because then, you know, when stuff came up and when stuff wasn't going well, they all knew me by name. You know, I wouldn't have to, like, go through the whole, like, introduction via email. I could just say, hey, you know, I'm at this ski race and, you know, the Wi-Fi doesn't work or whatever. We didn't get to this quiz. I hope that's okay. You know, maybe we'll do that on Monday. And they were all just super supportive about that. So, so I was really happy with how things went. You know, it was still stressful and so hard. But in general, I think that's the biggest thing that I changed this year. Um, you know, and, and going into that NCAAs slash World Juniors trip, I was feeling good about school. And, and it really wasn't on my mind, which, which was nice. Because then I could just do my assignments and then just focus on skiing, which I think was huge. And, and I'm super proud to say that they're – you know, that, like, some, some damn good results result, came from that, so. Right, right. Yeah. So would your advice be kind of for that incoming freshman to go, hey, first of all, don't be afraid to approach, you know, your professors, and second, take care of that school first because ultimately if you don't, it's going to really bleed over and affect your athletics too, and then you'll have twice as much work to do. Do you feel like, yeah, yeah, that's kind of the thing that, they, that helped you performance-wise? Yeah, um, one of my coaches in high school always was always saying how, you know, if you have a clear head going to a ski race or going into a weekend, then, you know, it's just, you'll do, you'll do that much better. And uh, I really wholeheartedly agree with that. And it's not easy, you know, <laughs> getting the motivation on Monday and Tuesday to just, to just get, get the schoolwork done and, and skip out on various other things that maybe you want to do. Uh, it's not easy, but I totally... And I'll recommend it highly enough. And, and the thing about being just approaching your professors and all that is also just huge. That's the biggest thing I've learned in opening college. You know, they're all totally supportive. And then the best part is, you know, when when they support you through the season, and then the end of the season comes along and they catch wind of, of uh, good results or, you know, with, for the team or for me individually, you know, all my professors are emailing me, congratulating me. And saying how, like, you know, it's super cool that, that I was able to sort of miss all that school and, and make it happen. And it, I don't know, it felt really good. So, so yeah, I'm, I would say that that's a big part of what I've learned. That's awesome. It's really encouraging, too, to hear, you know, you answer that question. How did you feel about, you know, the season went? And you start out by, hey, I'm really proud of myself for, like, finding that balance, getting my schoolwork done, and yeah, it happened to show I had good results, but that you lead with that, I think, speaks volumes. That's really cool. Uh, speaking to some of those accomplishments, um, 
you know, you, you spoke a little bit to me through in answering this question already saying you learned a little bit about how fall training can really impact, you know, the general season flow. And, and you, you trained a little bit harder this fall in the late fall with your eyes set, you know, later championship races. So talk about that a little bit. Like what was exactly different about your fall training and and then in your races, you know, how were you feeling like you were we were performing? I was I was like I kind of laughed when I saw that because I was like, well, I think I think you did pretty well at the beginning too. Like, wasn't it one of the early Craftsbury races where you like really decimated a field? I remember Zach Caldwell sharing some post on Facebook about it. But anyway, like, how did you? How, what, what sort of changes did you make in that in the fall for your training? Was it just more volume, or just like you just shifted everything over like four weeks? Yeah. Good question. Um, so yeah, for me, this year turned out to be kind of kind of cool because both World Juniors and uh, NCAA's were in March. So just like you said, I really had my my sights set on uh, on those March ski races. So yeah, in our fall camp in uh, Quebec, I definitely trained quite a bit more over that ten day period. Okay, uh, more volume, and that was right. You know, right. Uh, over Thanksgiving, so right, things are sort of heating up that I had in the past. Um, I tend to sort of take it down a little bit right there, and that, that way I'm really on form for U.S. Nationals and uh, the early races. But yeah, I definitely did, a, did quite a bit more volume then, and then kept it kept it going through the beginning of Christmas break. So like, yeah, the that first Eastern Cup, I actually saw it pretty well there. I think that's one you're referring to with Zach. Um, yeah. But then after that, I kind of kept kept it going, kept training through Christmas, and then going to U.S. Nationals was kind of where I would say I was just a percent or so off. Right. Um, training through it. But, you know, it didn't have my full capacity there, which is totally fine. I mean, you know, I, I certainly skied. I was, I was happy with how I skied there, but in general, I didn't feel like I was just firing on all cylinders. Right. And that sort of up through the first carnival or so. And then at that point, you know, I was like, oh, okay, I'm not quite skiing how I was hoping to be. And, you know, I don't, I don't mean to complain because I was doing, I was doing well, but, you know, I knew that I was capable of more. Um, so that was when I sort of sat down with my coaches and, and talked about it. And, you know, then we acknowledged, like, yeah, well, looking at, Two years ago, or whatever, last year versus this year, you know, you definitely trained a bit more in the late fall. So, I think my plan just was, you know, hey, keep skiing, keep doing what I'm doing, and, and I think that 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 boost will come. And uh, I think I mentioned in my on my or my responses that uh, <clears throat> I hadn't really done this too much. I tend to, like I said, come out come out firing in in sure. January, and then uh, I'm, almost, I'm almost sort of hanging on through March. It's totally fine. But yeah, this year was different. And then right around mid-February, you know, I was a race in Waterville, Maine, where one of the, one of the Colby Carnival, and I just was like, oh my God, I felt unstoppable. It was an amazing <laughs> feeling. One of, the, one of the best feeling races I've partaken in, you know. I just went out hard and just kept going and going. It was, just, it was super cool. I mean, it was a six-lap race because they were low on snow. So and they had this one big hill, and I was like, I felt like I went up that hill faster and faster every lap, which was just amazing. And, I, you know, I finished just with a big smile on my face. I just knew. I was like, okay, now, there we go. That felt good. Yeah, know? yeah. And then, uh, and like, uh, you know, the results came after that. Like, really how I 
more than I had ever hoped I would. And I was lucky to, uh, to bring that right out to Bozeman with me. And, and so that was cool. Um, and I never plan on doing that, keeping that kind of going. Be sure, you know, every year is different. So I do the fall training a bit differently. But, you know, in general, it's fun to, to really be feeling good in, in those late season races. Yeah, I think as you get older, typically, you know, in your collegiate career too, you know, you get stronger, you can handle more volume, things like that. You start to realize, um, you know, you're kind of training through some of those early season races, you know, and you'll probably find that even yeah. though the, as the older you get and the stronger you get, you can actually train a pretty high volumes, train through those races and still decimate people, you know, and then you'll be like, okay, now when my legs come yeah. under me, it's going to be really awesome. Um, and kind of speaking yeah. of that a little bit, like, when you say you upped your volume, this may be, maybe really technical. I mean, do you, do you keep track of like exact hours that you're skiing and lifting and everything? Um, and if so, what, what's like the highest that you hit and when is that in the year? Yeah, good question. So I do keep track of my, uh, yearly training, <laughs> like via yeah, training laws. So in terms of just pure volume, like hours working out, I've, I hit my yearly max around, uh, in, well, in the month of August, um, that's when I do the most volume. Okay. But for me, being in college is great because, you know, you just, it's really hard to do a ton of volume in the fall, you know, because you got class and everything. Right. You know, you, you can do, you can do a lot, but it, it helps to front load those hours in the little late summer. I end up doing my biggest chunk in August, and I think this year, the, the four-week period in August was, maybe 75 hours, something like that. Okay. Um, so that's quite a bit. And then when I say um, in the fall, when I say I up my training volume, probably what I really mean is I end up doing more intensity, you know? So it's, sure. it's not actually more, much more hours, but it's more intensity, harder intensity, or maybe like, you know, more L3, um, maybe with like L4 finishes or stuff like that instead of just like a purely L4 workout. Sure. Um, would sort of be my thought. Like, in over that Christmas break period that I was explaining, you know, in, in the past, maybe I would do a 4x4 four four workout, uh, L4, you know, so that's, like, short, yeah. sweet, hard, no no question, but, like, you know, your body bouncing back from that quick, and you get, like, a little, you get a little boost, you know, you ski, you ski fast, you ski hard. Sure. Um, whereas this year, maybe I would have done more, like, a three by fifteen minute L three with the last couple minutes L four of each of each interval, you know. Um, so in general, much higher total intensity, um, but lower uh, intensity, lower intensity, you know. Sure, sure. So you end up being a little bit more tired from that. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but there's little things, you know. But in general, yeah, I, I do more, the most pure volume in August. Um, and then that comes down a little bit when I go to school and we're sort of with the group and we do more intervals and quite a bit of strength. But, you know, it, it, even in school, you can, I can do a good, I don't know, I'd have to check, like, I'd probably, probably do 60 plus hours for, uh, September. You know, it, it, it's not bad, but it's just hard to just, hard to get that upper up the limit sure. while you're studying and whatnot. So, yeah. And uh, how do you, you know, you've got your, 
you're in a bunch of different arenas, so to speak, in terms of competing the NCAA circuit. You've got international commitments, Team USA stuff. How do you prioritize that in your training and the design of your plan? You know, especially this year, you talk about, um, you know, when when I'm at the at the, every carnival I represent in Vermont, and so I'm I'm trying to figure out how to do my best for them. And when I'm on the international stage, I'm representing the Stars and Stripes. I'm going to do my best for them. How do you kind of like, and who do you work with to sort of like plan how that's going to best happen? Good question. Um, yeah, so it's a little bit of a challenge for sure. But yeah, I mean, Patrick Weaver at UVM is, is my main coach. And he, he is uh, an Olympian. You know, he's, right. he did the same thing. He's at UNH. He knows the, uh, the balance of sort of the international racing along with the college racing. So he's been like, great asset for me in terms of setting my training up so that I, you know, can sort of be successful at both. Feeling good for both. Yeah. Yeah, the international and the sleep stuff. And he, you know, he, I'm lucky that I'm a part of an incredibly strong collegiate team, especially for the East. Oh, actually, look at the numbers. Incredibly strong for the entire country. So Right, right. Uh, so for that reason, you know, Patrick is not, not afraid to, to, you know, recommend doing a bit more training maybe through an early season carnival, like we were saying. That way, you know, going into World Juniors, I can really be feeling good. Or maybe I take a taper or take a take an easier week and it, you know, make me a little flat for a carnival. But, you know, the UVM boys will pick up the slack, no worries. Absolutely every time. So sure. that, uh, that's great that he's not just pounding for college stuff, you know, that's never, ever been his goal for me as an athlete is to sort of to find that balance and, and do as best as I can in both, which I am right. very grateful for. Um, but, yeah, so in terms of, it's like, it like you were saying, you know, when when it's, when I'm in, in Vermont and looking at a bunch of carnivals in the upcoming weeks, I'm all, I'm all focused on those and trying to do as best I can, but, you know, when when that sort of wraps up and I'm I'm have my eyes on uh, going over to Germany, I, I focus on that as much as I can and and you know the balance isn't always isn't always clean and easy, but in general it, it works out just fine. What do you find to be the hardest yeah. thing about doing both? Like, is it the travel? you know, element where all of a sudden you got to be gone for, you know, a long time and switching time zones and all of that, or, you know, adjusting to different courses. Well, what kind of like make, what, what is the hardest thing for you personally doing that balance? I would say that, uh, this year definitely the travel was, was really tricky because there's a quick turnaround from Germany to, uh, to Bozeman. Sure. So yeah, Adjusting to the time zone, figuring out the courses in a short amount of time, and just and doing that kind of thing was definitely tricky this year. In general, like when I look back to my freshman year, I would say that yeah, another hard hard part about it is sort of you know navigating the different groups. You know, like when I'm with the UVM crew, I sort of understand how to navigate that uh, team and and the coaches and and you know there's a lot of sort of back and forth at ski races with uh, with your skis and getting them waxed right, how you like them and all that sort of thing, you know? Right. Like, if I'm with UVM, it's two coaches and, you know, whatever, 
17 athletes or whatever it is. So I know that, you know, I, I'm not going to test very many skis. I'm not going to test my wife very much. I'm just going to make it work, you know? And yep. that's great. Totally great. But then when I'm in Europe, you know, there's, there's a wax tech there who's just serving me and one other athlete maybe, you know? So, yeah. so then that's all kinds of skis and, and be picky and, you know, because why not? That's, that's what they're there for. Right. So definitely sort of planning and, and negotiating those those types of scenarios, you know, is uh, one thing that uh, I, or I sometimes struggle with. Um, you know, like, for instance, I'll try and pick two, or try to test too many pairs of skis when I'm with GBM and everybody gets kind of frustrated at me. And, or, <laughs> you know, in, in Germany, I'll just say, no, 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 just, like, just go with that one and it'll be fine. And then they're like, well, you know, you're here. You, you might as well just test them. <laughs> yeah. It sounds kind of weird to say, but yeah, it's total, like figuring out that sort of thing with, with the different groups and and jumping from one to another and all that. So, you know, and, and like I was saying earlier, I like to keep the, the mental side of things, you know. I think that uh, the more of this, of this other stuff that's going on in your brain, the less you can really focus on the task at hand. You know, so... so that's what, kind of why it's challenging for me to, to navigate these situations because I really just want it to be like nice and simple and straightforward. And, I don't know. Hard to explain, but I, I hope that kind of makes sense. Oh, definitely, yeah. And that, actually, speaking of skis, um, you've you've been at the top kind of it seems like at every age group you know so to speak and you've been really blessed to go to stratton mountain school and you've had uh access to one great coaches and all that i'm just kind of curious as an outsider you know in terms of equipment in terms of skis specifically what does that look like at, at kind of the elite level like obviously you're not just like driving down to your boulder nordic sport and just going i like that color ski i'm gonna take that one you know like we get that but i think there's sort of this inner world of um the top skiers can get access to like the really best skis too so like this red line 2.0 is actually better than that red line 2.0 um like can you enlighten me a little bit about that process and what that looks like or or not oh yeah Totally. Um, yeah. So for for skis with me, it's been a been kind of a tricky balance. Um, but yeah, I get them. I get my skis through Zach Caldwell, who picks them at the Matthews factory in uh, in Norway, which is awesome. And, yeah. And he knows me. He knows me as a skier um, really well. You know, he's, he's watched me probably since before I even knew him. So he knows how I ski and and picks great skis for me. But it's definitely not always very straightforward. Um, a lot of times, you know, he'll pick a whole bunch of skis and I'll be totally overwhelmed, you know, maybe with a 14, a 15 pair of fleet, you know. And uh, and from that, I it's sort of up to me to, to pick the ones that I really like, which can be super hard. Uh, yeah. I'm sure you have experience with testing two very nice pairs of skis, you know, that they feel exactly the same, realistically. Sure. <laughs> You know, you're feeling for these weird little, you know, maybe you're like, oh, this one's dry, it's all kind of slow, and then you get rid of it, and it's, it's tricky, you know, because uh, Zach will say that he likes one, and, and I'll say I like another, and then it's just the whole thing, but, but yeah, I, I, if, that, if that kind of answers your question, it, it's not overly straightforward, um, but in general, I, uh, I like, like to try and keep it simple with my skis, you know, again, not to just keep hounding on like the mental side of things, but uh, 
I personally find that, you know, I'll, I'll have a pair of skis that I'm really confident in, and that one will always win out, you know, in my little pre-race glide out. Sure. I really think that's a mental thing. For me, above all else, it just comes down to being confident in my fleet and uh, and <clears throat> having, a, having a few pairs of skis that I know I like. So, you know, I, I try to change things up every year, and, and I never do a complete reset just because I like to sort of, I like to have those skis that I'm confident in. Yeah, that answers your question. I'm not totally sure. Yeah, I mean, Zach, uh, we had him on. He was on on my first show, and we like talked for like two and a half hours about kind of just the art of ski picking and and how directly that's yeah, connected yeah. to um, a person's their biomechanics essentially. You know how they ski. So obviously, you know he's seen you a lot. He knows how you ski, and and therefore can give you some different options. Hey, we can like really try and figure it out. Which sounds to me like sometimes is great, but sometimes it's kind of like okay, we're really splitting hairs here. You know what I mean? Like you're saying, it's like I'm really trying to like figure out exact differences. And then you've got like your Homer ski that you've always had, you trust, you know, like I believe it. And and like actually to that point, uh, how many skis do you have that you would currently say I, I could, I would race in? You know, like how many racing skis do you have that you would still go back to? And what's what's like the oldest ski you have? And we're not talking rock skis, yeah, you know, like just like racing ones, ones that, ones that you would like. Yeah, I, I would, I would race in this if the conditions were right and and it was the best. Yeah, great question. Um, I probably carry, you know, when I go to Europe, I'll probably carry twelve to fifteen pairs of skis. So that would, I would probably say that's about how many I have. Okay. Um, so I'll probably have fifteen, you know, but but I won't bring a couple of them with me because a couple of them are super specialized. Sure. Um, and then how long, how old are they? You know, Matthews hasn't made a, uh, a dedicated zero in a long time, so my zeros date back to uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, so I guess four years now. Okay. Probably was when I got those, and I hadn't used them in a long time, but then I raced, I raced in uh, Germany on them because it was crazy zero weather all the time there. So that was kind of cool. I definitely went back to some old stuff then. And then I had this, this cold skate ski that I was just like bomber. My freshman year in college, I was racing on that all the time, all the time. Could not be beat. And that was one of the uh, of the mad two skis that I got either freshman or sophomore year in high school. So that one was probably two or three years old at the time. Oh, wow. That's that kind of cool. Still, that one, that's good. That's been a great ski for me. And I didn't race on it too much this year, but... You know, I, I still, it's always in the test. It's always in the mix. So uh, that's been cool. With uh, with the Matthews skis, they change them. Or the last couple of years, they've been changing them pretty pretty drastically. Yeah, that's what we talked with Zach about. The 3.0 yeah. is apparently like a big jump up from 2.0. Um, yeah. Have you skied on the 3.0s then already? Or or I can't remember if those like came. I thought like oh, yeah. some athletes have had them. Did you ski on them this year at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. They were great. You know, yeah. beating out my, my old stuff from high school, beating out the 2.0s, I just, I was loving them. And, you know, and I could tell in races that I was I had good skis. So the 3.0s are, are awesome. So that was actually really fun this year. And that's what I mean, you know, it's kind of a moving target because the more of the 3.0s I got on, the more I was sending back my older stuff and trying to get more and more of that. So in general, I, I have been liking the 3.0s, but... A typical test will maybe consist of, you know, if, if I'm at a big race, U.S. Nationals or, or International, 
a test for me will consist of two new pairs, or two, like, of this year's pairs, which are, are relatively untested, you know, so I'm not totally sure about them. And then maybe a, an old faithful, one that one that I've, I've always liked, and that'll be in the mix. And, and, and the goal will be to beat out the old ski, you know? Yeah, okay. With, with the new stuff, and that, that's basically how I roll. Um, so I, I like that. It keeps things interesting in, in terms of uh, the skis, so, yeah. Talking about the the event at Worlds, and you, you placed sixth, I think, right? Is that what you said in um, in the skate race? Yep. Just missing top five, because that was kind of what you were hoping uh, for, right? Yeah. I definitely wanted to crack into the top five. I, I really honestly wanted a podium, too, but I, I was actually... That was the sixth place game in a, in a skate sprint, which uh, sure. historically is not totally my strength you know when it comes to sprinting i'm usually a big classic guy um so i didn't actually have a ton of expectation for the for that race so being able to get into the eighth final i was really really excited about um you know i i I burned a few matches and in doing so so i didn't have a ton of energy for the eighth final but you know it's all it's all a learning experience for me so um, racing that international racing, going all the way through to the A final, was was really cool. I was I was really happy with with that. You know, the 10K in world, the 10K classic was the one that I really have my eye on. And that one, you know, if you look at the times for it, I went out, I went out hard. You know, went out with the intention to to get on the podium and and do what I wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the day, I I just didn't quite have it, which. It's totally part of ski racing, and, and, you know, it is what it is, and I cannot complain. I was ninth on the day. Super, super strong result. I was very happy with it, but, you know, the bottom line is, you know, I went out. I was leading the first couple K with serious time, and I just didn't, I couldn't quite get, bring it all the way over the finish line. And, you know, that's part of ski racing, and, and I have no regrets. You know, a lot of people will ask, like, oh, my gosh, Ben, you know, you got to learn how to pace yourself. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, you know, I probably could learn how to pace myself, but realistically, you know, I I wanted to I wanted to show show what I could do in that race, so I started out with the intention to do just that, you know. And uh, yep. maybe on a different day I could have held it, or maybe I couldn't have, you know. Maybe not. Maybe I was dreaming, but uh, you know, that was that was the speed I needed to go in order to to win or to get on the podium. So. I was going to try it for as long as I could. Being able to hold together as well as I did after, you know, having a little bit of a bomb was, uh, was great. So I think that's what, you know, that's as as fans, we're, we want our athletes to be courageous and gutsy, you know? So you left nothing out there. There's nothing more frustrating as an endurance sport athlete fan to watch an, uh, watch an athlete be conservative and never really put themselves out there and then get poor results you know so no i, I think you got to err on right. that aggressive side anyway and and you know what happened in the relay was a super exciting and we've asked a couple uh of our guests to kind of like this question and i've talked to it with my ski ski friends just locally too like okay you guys have kind of proven this group of guys have proven we can be on top of the world here or we can compete with the top competition now at the junior level and 
what what's going to be the thing that that is required to sort of stay on top, so to speak? And I've heard a couple of different answers. And I mean, what I'm coming at with this question is it's obvious that like you guys are going to work hard, you're going to train hard and you're talented skiers. So is it like some sort of technical element? Is it actually like fitness or is it uh, equipment or, or like the, actually one of the answers I heard recently that I thought was super insightful was, Hey, look, it's really just mental. Like the difference between finishing 50th on the men's side in the world cup and finishing like eighth is not that big of a difference. But like, once you believe you can do it, you just make it happen every time. So I want to ask you that question. Like, what is your plan? And and maybe you've talked to those other, other three guys too. Like, Hey, you know, this is what we got to do to stay on top. Like, what do you guys talk about is what do you, what do you talk about as being necessary to kind of keep that going and, and give us some hope, right? As Americans, like, okay, this is going to be different now. This is a generation that's going to compete. Great question. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what, what needs to be done, but my, my current, my take on it is that, you know, we've had, we've had this success as juniors and, you know, that, that means nothing as far as the uh, senior field goes, you know. There's sure. a lot of talented skiers up there. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to work hard. We're going to have to train hard. But, you know, this, this group has got, a, has got a gnarly work ethic, you know. So that's not going to be the problem. And we got talented coaches, and they'll, uh, they'll keep us going on smart and effective training plans. So, you know, again, like, <laughs> I, I personally think that, that the way to sort of, I think that the way to set myself apart and our group or any year, you know, to, to set yourself apart and give yourself a little extra boost would be to uh, to just train your your mental and just be tough. You know, I think I think that that's a way that skiers, American skiers, have found success in the past, and I don't think that that's likely to change. And um, you know, at the risk of uh, of trashing some people who are much higher than me. I don't personally think that the Norwegians are talented skiers, but I don't think they're very tough, man. I think, I think Claybo, you know, look at Claybo on the tour to ski this year. You know, he, he, he realized he didn't have it and he gave up and he was so sad when he, when he got third in the tour to right. ski because right. he got worked on the hill climb, you know? I, I just, I have no respect for that. I thought that was so lame. Uh, you know, and every time he has a bad race, he goes on Instagram and tries to justify it. And I don't know. I, I, I don't like that. Personally, I think that, you know, through good results, through success and uh, failure, you know, you, you got to be tough and, and hang tough. And I think that, in general, Americans do that very well. You know, Jesse in that, in that uh, Olympic gold medal, that, that was pure grit, that last lap. I mean, good. I don't know. I just, I think that that's going to be, that's a, a way to get a little extra boost. You know, one time when I was a, when I was a junior, Matt Wickham gave this speech at, uh, at one of the REG, the local sort of ski camps. When I, I mean, man, I was probably a freshman in high school. Yeah. So, uh, his, his spiel, you know, we hear so many of the sort of U.S. team guys, and, and they talk about the pipeline and how you sort of develop as a skier, and, and those are great, you know. 
huge for understanding what you're doing and, and everything, but Matt came through at that camp and gave us this speech that I think was, you know, he had said, okay, this is now July, first races are in December. So that's, you know, uh, what was it, like uh, 80 days of toughness was his thing. He said, okay, every day between now and the first ski race, you know, I want each and every one of you guys to do one thing that puts yourself out of your comfort zone just a little bit. You know, and, and he said, maybe that'll be just getting out there and going a bit longer, a bit harder on that rainy day workout. And maybe that means getting in the shower when it's cold or leaving it on cold while you're getting out, whatever that <laughs> yeah, is. You know, yeah. every day you do something that sort of pushes your boundaries a little bit. You know, you, you, I don't know, you go a little harder. You, you try to hang with someone who's a little faster than you in a workout. And you just, you know, without doing anything crazy, you know, you don't need to, like, go jump off a cliff. But, but you know, you push yourself just a tiny bit and you and you, uh, you, you test your mental abilities. I think that just, like, resonated with me so hard. I just, like, oh, it was the coolest thing, you know, and the feeling coming out of that speech, you know. And everybody there, it was, like, you know, all the guys at that camp, like, went outside and, like, started wrestling and, like, going crazy. <laughs> it was so cool. Everybody so stoked about about Matt Wickham talking about getting tough and you know ski racing is a super hard sport you know and when when the cars are down you know you can train as much as you want you can be in as good shape as you want but when push comes to shove you know you just got to be able to access that next level you got to be able to push yourself just a little bit harder at the very end of sprint heat at the very end of uh, 10k whatever it is you know you just get those extra seconds you don't get them I personally don't think you get them from, you know, doing exactly perfect training. I think you get those seconds by, by you know, having the grit and having the having the desire and the and you know, the understanding that you're capable of it. And I don't know, it's hard to explain, but that's what I that's what I see in this generation of skiers. I see a bunch of guys who who want it bad. They want it real bad. And they're willing to work, and they're willing to put themselves out there. And I think that, I personally think that that will lead to success, you know? Ross Schumacher is one of the toughest guys I've ever met. And that kid is going to be legit. You better watch out. So, I don't know. That's my take on it. <laughs> you know, people probably, will, people probably will think all kinds of weird things about that, but that's my, uh, that's my thought. Hey, no, that, I think that's super wise. Uh, by the way, yeah, Matt. Uh, Coach Wickham, whenever he speaks, like I love how you said guys are out wrestling. Like he does have a way of really motivating you to just like go out and be great. <laughs> so that's cool. I mean, he's a great coach, and and I think like what, but what you said, hey, the catalyst for growth ultimately comes down to: Are you willing to put yourself in a position where you're uncomfortable? And by golly, there are yeah. not enough people in our world who are willing to do that. I mean, I'm not talking just athletes. Like, that's everywhere, you know, from... We just like to be comfortable. You know, I've had the same job for 20 years, and I know what my life is, and blah, blah, blah. Or, hey, this is the pace I can handle, and I'm going to stay here. And so, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head uh, on the mental side of, look, we have to be tough. We got to be tough. That's something we value. That's who we are. And in order to be tough, we have to be willing to test ourselves and be uncomfortable and do it constantly, you know, like not just one day, but make that like a lifestyle. So, hey, that'll be interesting to see 
how that kind of plays out. And I love, I love your willingness to like, Hey, Clavo, you know, call out Clavo, you know, he's, he is the best skier in the world. Right. But like to see a element like that, I agree yeah. with you where it's like, Hey, that's just not a good example. Like, I don't care if you're the best and that you win most of the time and whatever, but you know, like you go out to race, you put it all on the line, you give it your heart, the, the best that you've got. And then you deal with the consequences, you know, don't pout about it. Don't make an excuse. Don't yeah. give up. And so I think that's kind of cool. I, I think, you know, like hopefully someday in the future, you know, you two guys will be pushing each other to bring out the best in one another. That's true competition too. So <laughs> it's fun that like you're willing yeah. to go out and say that. I think what, what are your plans and goals for next year? You know, like you talked a lot about process goals and really valuing those things and how you kind of discovered that balance, figured that out a little bit better this year. Um, what are some of your goals that you're going to kind of, kind of be thinking about? You could talk outcome too. Like, Hey, at the end of the day, I want to be this place or do this but along the way i know i gotta address these issues and these are the things i'm really going to daily be addressing you know like what what is what's your outlook for 2020 2021 and let's assume that all of racing is normal you know it's going to be a normal year yeah yeah okay cool i like to assume that i don't want to be better yeah. but uh yeah so so one of one of the real big things that that i really really want to uh, be a part of, I want to be a part of a NCAA winning team. And you know, in Stowe, my freshman year, we were close. You know, we were runner-up, but uh, a lot of things didn't quite go right. Um, and obviously in Bozeman, that was a whole mess. So I think that next year, the UVM team is going to be damn competitive. Alpine Nordic, the whole nine yards, right? And it's on um, Homish Earth in Middlebury. I am going to be really really excited to not only try to be my best self at that race and uh, that series or whatever championship, but I really want to try and do everything I can to, to bring my teammates up and, and make make sure that we bring our best team to that race. And, you know, it's interesting, this year, that's a big goal of mine. Um, and you asked where, what my process goals would be going to this year. And, uh, you know, in general, it would be the same. Keep on, keep on that, uh, on that balance of school and, and social life and skiing, and, and make that better and better. But more than that, for this upcoming year, the UVF team graduated a ton of seniors. Um, so all of a sudden, me and uh, and the other two or three people in my year are sort of the leaders on the team. We got a bunch of new people coming in, some real talent. So one of my biggest goals for the upcoming year is to sort of figure out how I can sort of set an example and, uh, and be a leader on that team and try to, you know, piggyback off of what seniors um, did for me, you know, and, and, and how they sort of set an example and set the tone on the team of success and of hard work and everything. And I sort of want to piggyback on that and and try to to be the best that I can be in that realm, which you know is tricky. You know, I don't want to just try to come out and be like, you know, you know, I'm, I, I've had success as a college skier, so like you must do this, this, and like mine. You know, that's not what I want to do. What I want to do is sort of try to help create a team atmosphere where you know people are stoked about 
working hard and getting excited for for our potential as a team, you know. And 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 then I think if we can get that through the fall and everybody's feeling good and excited, then I think that'll carry right through the season, and we'll have a great time and we'll ski well, and, and hopefully we can come through at NCAA's and Middlebury just firing on all cylinders. So, so that's my my goal. I haven't thought a ton about what that will look like. Maybe once everything gets hopefully gets going in the fall, I'll have a better idea of sort of what what that really means. But yeah, trying to trying to be a leader on the team as on a team and, and help my coach to sort of cultivate success on our team and, and see see what we can do because I think we're going to be capable. Yeah, that's that's just, that's the great thing about sports, right? Like each year you're learning things that are going to transcend your athletic experience. You know, learning how to balance things and learning how to be a leader and <laughs> learning how to be uncomfortable. And so that's pretty cool that you can articulate, hey, this is kind of the challenge I see coming ahead and this is a big goal, team goal, you know, like let's be team national champions and um yeah i i mean i really hope the best for you in that experience it it's 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 not easy to be a leader i think sometimes even we think like oh i got these values i got these ideals and everyone will just agree with me or you know like if they don't this is what i'll do and it's always is kind of tricky so uh, yeah i i wish the best for you in that position for sure is success and um and from an athletic experience too yeah you've got some tough competition i feel like out west you know, like where where I'm living, you got Utah and Colorado, and this is maybe I'll have to edit this out. Me saying this, but it's always like they're the teams that always have like these thirty year old Norwegians, right? <laughs> like you never see them out east, and then it's like nationals, bam! Here's these guys you've never heard of, you've never seen, yeah. you know. And it's like, oh yeah, but they're like the evil empire, so it's like okay, whatever. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. No, I I agree with you on that. Uh-huh. I think it's way cooler, you know, those guys are all expected to win. And, and by all accounts, they should win. Right. They're older, they're, they train more, whatever. But I think, you know, again, I think the UVM team has an, has an ability to sort of come up from, from the back a little bit. And that and if we can string it together, it'll be that much cooler. You know, it'll be that much more amazing. So I, I, I'm really excited. I think that those good things to come with the UVM ski team. <laughs> All right, so let's finish with a few quick hitter questions. Uh, what's your favorite TV show? Oh, good question. Um, I I probably gonna have to go with The Office on that. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear. I uh, I, don't think so. oh, I love The Office, so that's that's gonna be my answer right there. <laughs> yeah, that tells me a lot about your sense of humor and that it's good. Good uh, Office. Are you a Parks and Rec guy too? Because when Office was gone, then it's like that's what I had to. It's like the close, you know, the the twin, the twin of the office is Parks and Rec. But if you watch that too, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Parks and Rec is a total close second. I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec too, but you know, there's something, there's something about the office that is, uh, always holds the holds the candle in my heart. <laughs> yes. All right. Um, how about uh, what is your dream job? Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, dream job. Um. <laughs> I so I went in school studying mechanical engineering, um, and I think that I feel like I've answered this question so many times, and every time I answer it differently. I really like uh, working on cars and, and bikes, so I think that working in uh, okay sort of sort of like automotive or uh, or or bike bike uh, development and design would be really really cool. 
But yeah, probably I would end up, I would lean towards mountain bike, uh, maybe like suspension company or, or design frames or what have you. I don't know. I think that would be really cool. How about, uh, this one might be kind of harder. I don't yeah. know if you can think of this. What's like the dumbest or funniest thing you've ever heard while at a ski race or practice? And like, I mean, maybe there's some memory that sticks out at practice too, but I always think sometimes it's like the beginning of a mass start or like in cross country running, like sometimes the things that are said are just so utterly ridiculous that like no one experiences except for if you're in that race, in that background array. But yeah, just kind of curious if there's something that sticks out that like is a weird anecdote that you'd want to share. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, let me think. I think, uh, I think actually... If you uh, if you were to ask this to, to the competitors who I ski with a lot, they would probably come back to something that I said. You know, I tend to uh, <laughs> I tend to try and try and make jokes and stuff on the uh, on the start line to keep things light, you know, because everybody takes themselves so, so seriously. So yeah. uh, that it's fun to just like make some jokes, but uh, you know, so this year. <laughs> This year on the EISA in the carnival in the carnival setup, there was a freshman from Canada named Remy, Remy Jolet from yeah uh, Harvard. Harvard. Yep, and he was you know he was he was a man. He's a super talented skier. I've skied with him at Junior Worlds a number of times, and uh, and you know everybody had their eye on Remy being a freshman this year. And uh, one of the first races in Crassbury, it was a mass start, and uh, Remy was you know late or something, I forget. He might have forgotten to get his chip. And uh, everybody, there's a whole bunch of us on the sort of front line, mostly seniors and juniors, and everyone was waiting for Remy, and he had really good USSA points, so he was at the tip of the Chevron. So everyone was kind of like pissed about that. <laughs> like, you know, not really. Yeah. Everyone was joking about how it was a, you know, it was a freshman. Was being, so, anyhow, Remy comes running up at the 11th hour, trying to get his skis all organized and everybody on the start line is just like freshman <laughs> giving, him, giving him crap for being kind of a rookie which uh which was funny I, I got a good kick out of that um and you know he of course went on to, to uh, probably win or get second in that race so great that was a great moment <laughs> the camaraderie you guys have on that carnival circuit is kind of cool between teams you know i think that is that's pretty special well, yeah, pretty unique to the sport too. I mean, in in other conferences, and probably mostly the sport. I think because I think of like cross country running, like it's uh, you know I I competed in a pretty competitive D three conference, and and I say more competitive just because it's like it's thirteen schools, they're all in Minnesota, so everyone knows each other. We've known each other forever, and you know like there's rivalries individually between schools but it's, it's kind of more cutthroat like you know like the carnival circuit yeah. it's like after the race hey it's like this big huge tailgate you know out where everyone was waxing afterwards it's like that's pretty cool so yeah i like how you share that totally. that story yeah, what i love about the about the carnival circuit everybody's friends win lose disappointed excited you know everybody's hanging out afterwards talking about all the crazy stuff that happened in the race and and i just I can't get enough of it. I, I love it. So, so that's a great, I, I do think that, that Randy story is a great example, you know, because cause we were all giving him, we were all giving him crap on the start line, but, you know, he didn't, it wasn't like he was, I, I don't think it was like he was embarrassed or, or anything, you know, he just knew that that was like sort of how we roll and, and he'll probably hit us back 
Right. Helping out on the during the race or after the race, you know. So it was, it was awesome, and I, and I just love that about tribal skiing. So right. That's what I got for you. <laughs> All right, last question, Ben. Thank you again for the time. Appreciate it. I hope the whole U.S. Nordic community is going to appreciate this. Um, and uh, yes, when when you the re I, well, I like to get deep. I, I got to end deep. So answer this question or finish this sentence for me. The reason I ski is. Ooh, uh, all right. Let me think for a second. <laughs> yeah, I got to get philosophical, the reason right? I, yeah, I know. I got to think about it. You know. <laughs> The reason I ski is because I think there's nothing better than ending each and every day knowing that I did I did something that day to better myself, you know, as an athlete. And uh, and every day I, I you know not every day but most days I I, I go to bed and I'm like all right. You know, I, I got out there, I did, did my training, I, I pushed myself, and, and that's why I ski, you know. It's a hard sport, it requires a ton of training, and, and uh, you get, I get an immense amount of satisfaction just from going through the motions. I think that that is a truly special thing about endurance sports in general because, you know, the motivation, is, it's not always easy to motivate yourself to get out there and, and get it done, you know. Right, and, right. But when you do... When you do, and when it pays off, and you and you have one of those races where you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, I feel like a superhero. It just it's immensely satisfying, and that's what I love most about skiing is is that you know this the sport motivates me, and the people in the sport motivate me so aggressively to just to be the best person that I can be, physically, mentally, you know. And I'm not perfect, you know. I, I say things that I shouldn't and whatever and do things that I, that I probably shouldn't. But, you know, through skiing, I've, you know, found, found this, like, path through life, and it's just uh, incredible. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. It, it, it motivates me a lot. And, uh, yeah, I guess that was a total runaround of an answer, but that's, that's what I think. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Cedar Skier Podcast. Be sure to follow us on cedarskier.com and listen to our other shows and read some of our other articles let us know what you think and if you have an idea for the show let us know too we hope you enjoyed this episode stay in touch we'll see you next week I saw her today at the reception a glass of wine in her hand